Hi, I'm Dr. Alicia Armistead, and I'm a chiropractor who specializes in nutrition, and I want to talk to you today about digestion. In episode 11, I talked about how the nervous system was the priority to heal in order to regain health. There are eight aspects I look at when helping my patients, and digestion is the second most important aspect. All these aspects must be in balance in order to reach optimal health. And then once in optimal health, maintenance needs to occur. Maintenance is important because, unfortunately, the body is dynamic and it won't just stay in optimal health once it's there. It needs support. If you think about the body every single day replicating 222 billion to 242 billion cells a day for the average adult, that much work does, of course, need maintenance. When you think about the digestive system, you can look at it quite simply as a long tube that goes from where you place your food all the way down to where you eliminate it. In the average adult, that tube is 33 feet long, and it can't be looked at in different sections. If we're going to help the body truly heal the digestive system, you have to look at it as a whole. Digestive symptoms include bloating, gas, constipation, or diarrhea, but often presents itself as more complex symptoms like food allergies, eczema and rashes, migraines, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, weight gain, blood sugar issues including type 1 and type 2 diabetes, Hashimoto's thyroid syndrome, mood issues including depression, anxiety, infertility, and a whole range of autoimmune conditions. The digestive system's job is of utmost importance to our health, to nourish and protect. It determines what nutrients are absorbed and what toxins, allergens, and microbes are kept out. The gut's ability to decide what gets absorbed and what gets eliminated is directly linked to the health of the entire body. It's that important. The digestive system is like our armor for the whole world. Intestinal health is defined by the process of optimal digestion, absorption, and elimination of the food we consume. This, however, relies on the processes and factors within the body to all work together to allow this to take place. It begins in the mouth. Yes, digestion starts in the mouth and depends on how well we chew our food, which most people don't even pay any attention to. The more we chew our food, the easier it will be for our stomach to do the rest. We should always take time out to eat. When you are in a hurry or multitasking, and even worse, when you're standing up eating, the body doesn't get to relax. It's still stuck in that fight or flight mode, also known as the sympathetic nervous system, and we need to be in the relaxation digestion mode or the parasympathetic nervous system for better digestion. So the first thing to do is to make time just for eating and nothing else. Mealtime should be just that, time for eating and giving the body the relaxation it needs to digest properly. A common complaint is acid reflux or heartburn, where we think it's because the stomach produces too much acid, and so we take an antacid to produce less acid, and the heartburn goes away. But actually, I think we have heartburn because we actually aren't producing enough acid, and it's because the food isn't digested well that that's how we feel it come up into our chest and throat. So when we take the antacid, we are blocking the symptom but and feeling better, but you're actually making the problem worse. 
So what we actually need to take when we feel acid reflux is a supplement called betaine hydrochloride, also known as HCL, which will give the stomach enough acid to break down the food and not have acid reflux. If you're wondering whether or not your stomach does produce enough acid, you could do a baking soda test. First thing in the morning on an empty stomach, drink four ounces of cold water mixed with a fourth of a teaspoon of baking soda. If you start burping within five minutes, it's a sign of low stomach acid. To produce enough acid in the stomach, your body needs vitamin B12. So that's another thing to look at when you're trying to help digestion. Do you have enough B12 so your stomach can produce the acid it needs? Also, another sign of low stomach acid is if you lost your taste for meat. It takes more stomach acid and enzymes to break down meat than any other food. So if you lost your taste for meat, that could be the reason. Besides stomach acid, you also need enough enzymes made by the pancreas to break down food. Your pancreas makes enzymes, then releases them into the stomach as needed. So the stomach needs enough acid and enzymes to break down the food into a mixture, almost like a smoothie, before it enters the small intestine. It also needs acid to kill whatever pathogens may have entered, whether it's bacteria or parasites or mold. If you have enough stomach acid, they'll die in the stomach before going down further into the intestines. Our gut contains over 500 different species of microorganisms that creates its own ecosystem. The current scientific word is microbiome. A healthy microbiome of an adult should have about 100 trillion healthy bacteria. These healthy bacteria help us to digest our food, regulate hormones, excrete toxins, and produce vital nutrients. We can also have bad organisms in our microbiome, such as parasites or yeast, that can drastically damage your health and cause diseases such as leaky gut, arthritis, eczema, diabetes. But the goal is to have enough healthy gut flora to keep the bad gut flora at bay. The majority of neurotransmitters for our brain are made in the gut by bacteria. Yes. The good bacteria actually produce serotonin, dopamine, and GABA, all which play a key role in our mood. The gut's nervous system uses more than 30 neurotransmitters, just like the brain. And in fact, 95% of our body's serotonin is found in the gut. We look at the gut as our second brain. So if the gut microbiome is not healthy, a person could feel anxious, moody, or depressed. The gut is the only human organ that functions without the help of your brain, and it's got a hundred million cells to do that. In fact, the gut sends signals to the brain via the vagus nerve, and you actually send more information from the gut to the brain than from the brain to the gut. In other words, your gut is controlling your brain. Functional medicine calls this the gut-brain axis, and we need to make sure that it's healthy. One example of the relationship between the brain and the gut is irritable bowel syndrome, which has the common symptom of getting worse with stress. So not only does the gut make the neurotransmitters for the brain, but it's a two-way street, and the mental stress in the brain can affect the function of the bowels. That's why we have a saying like, I have butterflies in my stomach, I'm so nervous I could throw up. 
I have a knot in my stomach. The mind-body connection is real. Stress management is always key when putting your health first, but especially when you're healing the digestive system. Common forms of stress management that could help is meditation, a favorite hobby, or exercise. And sometimes it's just about saying no more often and giving yourself a chance to rest and relax. So after the food is broken down in the stomach, it moves into the small intestine where the wall of the small intestine absorbs nutrients that go into your body. It also filters out toxins and unnecessary things to be excreted later on in the large intestine. The wall of the small intestine is a major filter system that, if abused through consumption of processed foods and toxins, can actually separate and then, instead of just nutrients passing through, toxins pass through as well and get released into the bloodstream and lymphatic system. This is called leaky gut and causes inflammation and food intolerances. Unfortunately, the medical term leaky gut is exactly what it sounds like. It's when the lining of the small intestine has holes in it and the waste and toxins spill out into your bloodstream, reaching and essentially poisoning your vital organs. Unfortunately, for a shocking percentage of Americans, this nightmare scenario is real. Ask yourself, have you ever experienced a bloated belly that just won't go away? Extra pounds that are hard to lose? gut discomfort and slow digestion, stiff, achy joints, energy levels that crash too early in the day, these could all be signs of leaky gut. Also, one of the biggest warning signs that you may have leaky gut is experiencing multiple food sensitivities. Partially digested protein and fats can seep through your intestinal lining, making their way into the bloodstream and lymphatic system, causing an allergic response. This allergic response doesn't mean you'll break out into a rash all over your body, but it can lead to bloating, thyroid conditions, fatigue, joint pain, headaches, skin issues like rosacea, acne, digestive problems, weight gain. If left unrepaired, it can lead to more severe health issues like bowel disease, arthritis, eczema, depression, psoriasis, irritable bowel disease, migraines, chronic fatigue. Research shows there is a strong body of evidence pointing to leaky gut syndrome as a major cause of autoimmune diseases. I'm so happy the research is there because in my office, I see how I help my patients with autoimmune disease by first healing the gut. Another problem with leaky gut is that it can cause malabsorption of vital nutrients, including zinc, iron, vitamin B12. When first understanding leaky gut syndrome, I thought the problem was only in the gut. But with more research, I see now that one reason the gut becomes leaky is due to the liver weakening and becoming sluggish. The liver makes bile that moves from the liver and gets stored into the gallbladder. And then from the gallbladder, it gets released in the large intestine to break down fats. If the bile does not move through the gallbladder duct into the large intestine, in adequate amounts, then the blend of bile and hydrochloric acid required to break down fats and protein in the gut is not strong enough, and then you'll have all that undigested food sitting there. And once the undigested food is sitting there, then the body can't even use it for fuel, and literally, it'll just lie there and rot. This rotting food feeds pathogens and will just sit in the colon. 
This gut rot creates ammonia gas and can result in symptoms of bloating, digestive discomfort, chronic dehydration, and sometimes no symptoms at all until it eventually gets severe enough to cause discomfort. So by the time you actually feel discomfort, I want you to know that the buildup of undigested food has been going on for months to years prior, and it takes time to heal. So with this new information, not only do we want to heal the actual leaky gut, but we also have to make sure that the liver and gallbladder are healthy and that there's enough bile going into the intestines to break down your food and so that there isn't any other issues of rotting food just sitting there wreaking havoc. The good news is when we actually heal the gut, there's a very specific four-step process. One, remove foods and factors that damage the gut. Step two, rebuild with healing foods. Step three, repair with specific supplements. Step four, rebalance with probiotics. Nutrition response testing can identify all four steps to your specific needs. No four-step plan to heal leaky gut is the same, but it does always go in this order. Remove, rebuild, repair, and rebalance. Get rid of toxins, and with the right nutrition, the body can heal. Rebalancing with probiotics is last because if we try to put good bacteria in the gut before it's ready, it can cause discomfort. With the gut being toxic, it can't handle the good bacteria. Even though the four steps are straightforward, it looks different for everybody. Everyone needs different supplements and to remove different foods from their diet while they are healing. There are, however, general steps to take that can help before getting muscle tested. So let's go through them. Step one, remove foods and factors that damage the gut. Go through your kitchen and get rid of as much plastic and aluminum that you can. No plastic utensils, straws, cups, water bottles, no saran wrap, Ziploc bags, Tupperware. Get Pyrex, that's the glass containers with the rubber tops instead, and I just don't have the food touch the tops. You buy a bag of peas, nothing you can do, just leave it in the plastic packaging. You have a water filter. And you should, because chlorine is a whole different toxin to try to stay away from. But a lot of water filters are the heavy plastic. It's okay. No aluminum foil, pots, cans, baking sheets. Use parchment paper or glass or baking stones in the oven instead. Don't eat any canned foods and check and see if your deodorant actually has aluminum in it as well. Foods to stay away from are anything processed and definitely no white refined sugar or wheat, including white flour. White flour is wheat. They just bleach it in order to make it white. Yes, they literally bleach it using chlorine. Sugar will wreak havoc on your digestive system. It's inflammatory and will feed yeast, candida, and bad bacteria, which will further damage your gut. Bad bacteria actually create toxins called exotoxins, which damage healthy cells, including the intestinal wall lining. The less alcohol you have, the better. It is inflammatory and puts stress not only on the stomach, but also on the liver, which we don't want. There's a great video on YouTube of going through the kitchen and getting rid of processed foods and toxic material, which includes more than just plastic and aluminum. I will leave the link of the video in the description. 
Conventional cow's milk is another food that can cause digestive distress. The component of dairy that harms your gut is the protein A1 casein. Also, the pasteurization process destroys vital enzymes, making sugars like lactose very difficult to digest. For this reason, the only cow milk I recommend buying is raw dairy or from A2 cows. A2 milk is a specific milk that mostly lacks the casein protein A1. This casein protein makes up about 30% of the protein in cow's milk. A1 and A2 are two different types of this casein protein. Historically, cows actually produce milk that only has the A2 protein. And somewhere down the line of genetic evolution, we now have cows that produce milk with both A1 and A2 proteins. However, human bodies haven't genetically evolved to digest the A1 protein. The percentage of the A1 and A2 protein varies between herds of cattle and between countries. While African and Asian cattle continue to produce milk with only A2 protein, the A1 protein is common among cattle in the Western world. Goat, sheep, water buffalo, and human breast milk all contain only A2-like proteins, so they're safer to digest. During the breakdown of A1 proteins in the gut, digestion slows down and triggers inflammation causing symptoms such as bloating, gas, abdominal pain, diarrhea, and constipation. If those symptoms sound similar to lactose intolerance, it's because they are, and many people may be misdiagnosing themselves with lactose intolerance when it's really an A1 protein issue. Milk that contains only A2 protein was brought to market by the A2 milk company from New Zealand in 2000. This milk is easy to identify in the grocery store. It's called A2 milk and can be found at any local grocery store. When going through these four steps of healing the gut, you also want to stay away from lectins. Lectins are a different type of protein that plants make to defend themselves against predators, including insects and animals, but also includes humans. They are essentially indigestible and have the unique ability to increase the permeability of your intestines, which eventually leads to leaky gut. Dr. Stephen Gundry popularized the lectin-free diet. He is a former heart surgeon who switched his focus to food and supplement-based medicine. Dr. Gundry describes lectins as the main danger found in the American diet. In response, he has written a book that provides information on how to avoid lectins and gives recipes in his book called The Plant Paradox. According to the book, when lectins are harmful, leaking through the gut and causing inflammation, the diseases that can be created are celiac disease, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, heart disease, cancer, and depression. Following a lectin-free diet could be a way to lower inflammation in the body and avoid those diseases. The best way to know if avoiding lectins would make a difference to your health is to get muscle tested to see how your body responds to lectins. According to Dr. Gundry, people should limit the following foods when trying to avoid lectins. Legumes, such as beans, peas, soy, lentils, and peanuts. Avoid squash. 
also nightshade vegetables, including eggplant, peppers, potatoes, and tomatoes. Fruit, although in-season fruit allowed in moderation. All grains. Don't eat any corn and don't eat any meat from corn-fed animals. So pasture-raised and grass-fed meat and eggs is important. Not just organic, but you're looking for pasture-raised because organic eggs and organic meat um, can include organic corn-fed animals. Soaking beans overnight in water and some baking soda and then draining them and then cooking them can eradicate nearly all lectins, especially if you pressure cook them. But using a pressure cooker doesn't get rid of all lectins. It won't even touch the lectins in wheat, oat, barley, or spelt. But certain grains you can pressure cook and get rid of the lectins. Where if you sprout grains, seeds, and beans, it releases enzymes that reduce lectins, and the process of fermentation also cuts the lectins in dairy and vegetables. So drinking kefir would be better than milk. If you're going to use lectin-rich plant foods, you can peel the outside and de-seed them. Often the most harmful part of the plant where the lectins are the most is the skin and seeds. Finally, if in fact you must eat grains, opt for white over brown. So instead of brown rice, eat white rice. Instead of whole wheat bread, find a healthier version of white bread, preferably gluten-free. A lectin-free diet is not easy to follow, but the science is there to back up why lectins would cause inflammation in the body and lead to certain diseases. If you think it may help you and you can't get muscle tested, then try not eating lectins for two weeks and then add them back in. And if you notice a difference, then maybe avoiding lectins is the best thing you can do for your body. Once your gut is healthy, you can add back in grains to a point where the body can handle it without causing damage to the intestines. So there you have it, how to remove foods and factors that damage the gut. Next week, I will explain the other three steps of the four steps of healing your gut naturally. Step two, rebuild with healing foods. Step three, repair with specific supplements. Step four, rebalance with probiotics.